Episode 3, An Inefficient System. Hi everyone, welcome to the Language Frontier. What is it about languages that is so beautiful? And what compels us to keep using an inherently inefficient medium as a communication vehicle? Could it be necessity? But then why? Why a medium so inefficient? Is it a function of the new millennium that language would just all of a sudden prove itself outdated? In an emerging infrastructure that connects the six and a half billion human citizens of planet Earth, we use language or languages because they are our only option. William S. Burroughs said that language is a virus, that language has infected the entire human race and it does more harm than good. That is, language came down from outer space and lifted the beings of this planet up to a higher level of existence. And furthermore, that language spreads like a virus until it covers everything it touches. That is, an idea will spread by way of language until it covers everything in its wake. If there were no language barrier, what would the world sound like? What kind of a richer existence would we humans enjoy by default alone? What would science accomplish? It takes an average of one month per language to translate the study. The typical study is translated into 12 different languages. Consequently, we have a one-year delay between the inception, the research, and the dissemination of that research. Delays in disseminating information. That is an interesting point, and timely when you think about distributing medical research, for instance, all over the world within the medical community. If you think about dissemination of medical knowledge all over the whole world, it's one thing to just distribute the research and information among your colleagues. If you're a doctor, you publish a paper, you let all your colleagues know about your discoveries. But that's just within the university circuit of, say, the United States and Great Britain. But getting it out to the far reaches of Asia, or even just to Germany, there's going to be a delay there. When scientists and doctors cannot share their information for a year because of translation logistics, that affects all of us in terms of new developments in healthcare. Not that I have health insurance or anything, but anyway, it might not seem like a big deal to you, but if you're the one in a hospital bed waiting for a transplant or medicine or some kind of discovery, it's pretty damn important to you. And it just seems like such a wasted step. I mean, how hard can it be to just learn a scientific language for science? Translation. It's a bitch. You ever read a book that was written in a different language? Translators' notes are always included for a reason. There are debates over which translation adheres closest to the author's original intention. I'm going to read from the translator's notes of this um, Camus book here. It's The Stranger by Albert Camus. 
There is some irony in the fact that for 40 years, the only translation available to American audiences should be Stuart Gilbert's Britannic rendering of The Stranger. His is the version I read, the version we all read as a schoolboy some 20 years ago. And as all translators do, Gilbert gave the novel a consistency and voice all his own. A certain paraphrastic earnestness might be a way of describing his effort to make the text more intelligible, to help the English-speaking reader understand what Camus meant. In addition to giving the text a more American quality, I have also attempted to venture farther into the letter of Camus' novel to capture what he said and how he said it, not what he meant. In theory, the latter should take care of itself. I have taken Merceau, the protagonist, at his word. And to preserve the peculiarities of perception armor so, it is by pursuing what is unconventional in Camus' writing that one approaches a degree of still startling originality, and that's by uh, Matthew Ward, the translator. <clears throat> and for the stylistic difference between part one and part two of this novel, the translator of the first American version of the story reports that an impossible fidelity has been my purpose. I mean, this guy's seriously taking this seriously. In fact, the translator has a lot of power. Choice of words can change the whole nature of a character. Until this translation came out, the opening sentence of that English version read, the curious feeling that a son has for his mother. In this translation, that word has been changed to maman, which is the French equivalent for mommy, which is in keeping with Camus' choice of words for that character and constitutes all of Merceau's sensibility. For to change the word to mother would be to change the nature of Merceau's curious feeling for her. Connotations of words, too. That's powerful stuff. Some words evoke heavy feelings or ideas when people hear them, negative or positive, and that just enters another variable into the proposition of communicating effectively by virtue of language. Translations are, well, anyone in the position of being multilingual will tell you that a translation from like a German book to English or Arabic to English, it's like you're reading a different book. And that's a work that has been translated for months, laboriously looking for the right synonyms, like the Camus book here. The same goes for films. So much is lost in the subtitling of a film. Now consider translators of the United Nations. Those translators are doing that stuff on the fly, and that actually affects our world. Just like in the movies, they've got earphones and a microphone, and they're listening to what their person is saying, and they're speaking it back out so that everyone can hear it. And you can practically watch the nuance disappearing and being lost in the air out the window. They're just not going to be getting the message that that person is intending. It's a given. I don't really see how that's acceptable when you think about how that affects everyone quite literally on a global level seems like it should be a requirement for everyone involved in that arena to speak some kind of common language so that they can understand each other. It doesn't have to be English or French or, so or something that someone can lay claim to. Come up with a language. Seems like that would be a bare minimum requirement to make a global policy decision. 
In fact, you would think that a foreign language would be required in college for international relations majors, but surprisingly enough, it's not. But let's back up even further for a minute. I mean, there are issues translating from one language to another. That's a given. But how many of you watching have actually thought about how ineffectual language is itself to transmogrify your thoughts into speech and words that in turn have to be deconstructed by the listener to be understood and grasped? And how much of the meaning is lost along the way? I'm going to read a little bit about this from the Cambridge Encyclopedia of Language, second edition, and we'll just explore briefly this type of thinking because some thought processes require language and some other types of thinking that we do absolutely does not. The thinking which seems to involve language is reasoned thinking which takes place as we work out problems, tell stories, plan strategies and trips, and so on. It has been called rational, directed, logical, or propositional thinking. It involves elements that are both deductive and inductive. Language seems to be very important for this kind of thinking. The formal properties of language, such as word order and sentence sequencing, constitute the medium in which our connected thoughts can be presented and organized. Okay, the other kind of thinking does not require us to posit a relationship with language. Most obviously, there is no suggestion that language is involved in our emotional response to the same object or event, such as when we react to a beautiful painting or an unpleasant incident. We may use language to explain our reaction to others, but the emotion itself is beyond words. Nor do people engaged in the creative arts find it essential to uh, think using language. Composers, for example, often report that they hear the music they, want, they wish to write. Also, our everyday fantasies, daydreams, and other free associations can all proceed without language. How many times have you felt at a loss for a word, or even felt like making up a word? Or, how, or just how words can diminish your experiences and feelings, hence the expressions the experience were, was beyond words, or mere words could not describe what I was feeling. That's just it. They're mere words, they're just sounds and letters, and experience cannot be locked into those parameters. And also, language is just so obviously limited in terms of anything new. Those people who were unfortunate enough to witness, to be witness to Pompeii, had no word to describe the volcano that was destroying their city. How many times have you been trying to explain something to someone and it's taking you 30 minutes, and then something happens that explains it all better than you could have ever explained it? It's sort of like trying to describe a boulder about to fall off the side of a cliff. I mean, you can describe how it will look and sound, but it's actually not going to hit home until the boulder starts rolling and in an instant they hear the rumble, they see the dust cloud. There are many things like this that are bigger than life and just cannot be explained. So what's the alternative? That's the question. Now, what could happen if there was a universal speaking language where people weren't losing a third of their meaning in the translation? 
And even that group is an elite, those who are bilingual or have access to translators. Most people are stuck in the world of one language. To have the luxury of a translator is huge. Only recently have translation services like Babelfish become available to the online community. But everyone knows those are just jokes, really. They barely do the job. Those really just give you the gist. And how many languages are really, we really talking about here? 7,000 languages on the planet? Many people feel that, that ratio is askew. Artists are responding to it in varying degrees. Babel, Rune, Borat, Lost in Translation, House of Sand and Fog, there are others. What we're talking about is an unnecessary step. We already have the barrier between thought and speech, where so much is lost in that tenuous space between having an idea and putting that idea into words. Not to mention 7,000 ways of speech and counting, because dialects are sprouting up every day. And then from those words to the person you're listening, you're getting things through a medium that is subject to a lot of different things, none of which are the actual physical object. Including what the listener is bringing to the interpretation of each individual word from their personal interpretation. Well, that, that's, just the, that's just opening a whole can of worms that exists deeper within this subject. People's interpretations of words and their individual experiences and dissociations and perceptions that they bring to the conversation table. And it's, it seems so simple on the surface, but when you start to dig around, it's surprising how ill-equipped people are to deal with the simple prospect of communicating with one another. Many, many, many people are impoverished in their ability to express themselves. Hence, master language or it will master you. So what you're talking about is that everyone is already has an added setback from thought to word that you were discussing straight off the bat, and then you add to that the a language barrier, 7,000 languages strong for the six and a half billion people on the planet. Well, how does this break down? Chinese makes up 20% of today's communications. Add Spanish, Arabic, Hindi, English, and Bengali, and 45% of communications are accounted for. Factor in French, Italian, Portuguese, Japanese, German, and Russian, and the percent rises to 75. In the last 25%, why the additional six thousand languages, some of them only spoken by a few hundred people. Think about what languages you speak. Think about how many people you have access, access to based on these figures. When I first came, I didn't speak lots of English. I spoke a little bit, but not too much. And, but I hung around most, mostly with people that uh, spoke my language. And I, I had to work in jobs, I worked real. There, because I pay very little because uh, I didn't I didn't speak English, so you know I had to take the worst jobs, the bosses and the supervisors and and all of those and uh, it was not easy to communicate with them because I always had to ask uh, some person that was bilingual to help me communicate with them. Otherwise, I couldn't have done it. That's the way that it was. Then later on, after six months, I learned English, and, and then I started working with jobs and paid a little more. Mainly the friendliness is the thing that makes a person communicate with each other. Uh, you know, the feelings that people have 
is what counts. A lot of times the language is very good to know, but I mean, you know, the attitude of the people, you know, is what is very important. It's actually surprising, for instance, that at the time when people started doing transcontinental telephone calls that a common language wasn't developed. I mean, that was a major opportunity. Esperanto had already been around since 1887. First overseas calls weren't made until 1915. So Esperanto had been in use for 25 years. Could it be as simple as people were just too lazy to attempt to build an infrastructure when these new inventions were being developed? An infrastructure that would have made intercontinental communication more realistic? Even some kind of rudimentary form of universal signals for use by operators and callers. Then there wouldn't have been hang-ups for, say for example, sorry, this operator only speaks 12 languages, you're going to have to speak with a different operator. This is lazy innovation. Someone went so far as to develop a way to contact people across the globe, but stopped short at developing a way for them to actually communicate. Now, with the integration of the iPod and iPhone, this could actually be one of those rare times when the world is ready for a new language, as it was with transcontinental calls. What's fascinating to me, and I think fascinating to the artists addressing this issue, is that this is a time in human history where we might be ready for real progress in communication. The iPod is a turning point in communication, as were transcontinental calls. This does not happen very often. The first transatlantic telephone calls opened the door for this, but didn't do it. But now there's an opening again with, with this new emerging technology. It's surprising. I can actually see how the universal language would have happened, but for some reason it didn't. What can I say? Hell, the Greeks 3,000 years ago were just as advanced as we are. So what are these barriers that keep people from reaching anywhere near their real potential? The answer to that can be found in another question, and that's this. Which is the most universal human characteristic? Fear or laziness? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll look at this stuff again in a forthcoming episode and even at some new languages that allow us to communicate already that you might not have even thought of. Shopping at the mall Well, their husband's so strong and tall Do they wonder when their daddy's coming home? What are all the helicopters for? What are all those helicopters for? I feel them overhead When I'm lying in my bed must be that they're flying off to war While the wives look 
Listen to the Bad Apples, the Linux podcast that unabashedly takes on Apple Incorporated and proves to the world why Linux is better. We've got tips, tricks, and hacks for both the newbie and the experienced Linux user alike. And if you're coming from Macintosh, you're going to love this show. Visit us at thebadapples.info. Subscribe to our feeds at thebadapples.info slash og.xml. Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.